As an employee, you are required to remember countless privacy regulations and policies. These require the use of privacy programs to monitor and reinforce positive behavior all the time. However, when a privacy incident is reported, it could come as a surprise, even a shock. Many incidents occur even as employees believe they are doing the right thing, but instead they are putting the company at risk. Today on Privacy Notes, we learn about the top mistakes employees make. These mistakes can be very costly and even in some cases irreversible. Rena Okone of TaxTech tells us more. Welcome to episode 5 of Privacy Notes, the podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Tax A Technologies Limited, Tax Tech in collaboration with the NDPR Academy. I am Urena, and today we would be discussing about the top privacy mistakes to watch out for and how to avoid them. We'll take a short break and we'll be joined by my colleague, Wem, who is a data protection associate at Tax A Technologies. We are back. This is still Privacy Notes, the podcast brought to you by TaxTech and the NPR Academy. So on the call with me here is OM, who is a data protection associate at TaxTech, like I earlier mentioned. Hi, OM. How are you doing today? Hi, Rena. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you how so you much for joining us today. So we'll just be discussing four points, actually, four top privacy mistakes to watch out for. And uh, the first one I'll just be speaking about is sharing your personal data, such as your name, your email address address your photograph your bank details the list is actually quite long you know sharing this personal details on a website without reading through the company's privacy policy or the terms and conditions i mean can you let us know why this is a privacy mistake and how to avoid it okay so basically right everybody's i would say everybody about 95 percent or 99.5 percent of everybody on earth is actually guilty of this mistake because there are a lot of people that go that visit the company's website and they do not read the company's privacy policy. They just scroll through and click I accept and then continue using the website without actually going through the contents of the privacy policy. A privacy policy will typically contain, among other things, the what the company is going to be using your personal data for and who the company is going to be transferring your personal data to um, where applicable. So it is actually advisable that when visiting a website, you should take out time to go through the privacy policy and the terms of use. Just going to bring up a scenario about TikTok. Uh, TikTok is an application that a lot of people use, but there was a lot of controversy around it last year and in the beginning, um, the first part of this year, there was a controversy around the application as to um, its collection and use of personal data but then there was speculation that the app was actually collecting unauthorized data, was collecting the contact details of its users and as well as the other contact details of um, other persons who the user has some um, personal information on. So basically the app would just go through your contact, your phone book and your messages and it will be saving your contacts' personal details. 
So I would say that a lot of people actually use the app, but they don't read the privacy policy. So my advice is that anyone that uses the application or uses any application at all or visits a website should actually take down steps to ensure that you read the website's privacy policy and the terms of use before actually proceeding to provide his personal information. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. That was very insightful. So, I mean, the top point there is don't rush to start sharing your personal data. Ensure that you're comfortable with the terms and conditions, you know, the privacy policy before going ahead. Take your time to read through it and ensure that everything is defined by you before providing your details. So the second point I'll be going to, which is, you know, is quite a funny one because I've been a victim of this or do I say I'm guilty of this, you know, using easy passwords, easy passwords, one, two, three, four, one, 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 the date of birth that's too easy so i mean this is the top privacy mistake that a lot of people make so can you just kind of let us know why is this uh, you know privacy mistake and how can you even prevent you know this okay i would say this is a bit <laughs> a bit commonsensical anyways that you shouldn't use a very easy password if when you are actually registering and entering your details on a website or an application you should try to endeavor that your password is actually complicated enough to deter hackers from actually trying to or to prove difficult to hackers or anyone trying to hack into your account. But also at the same time, it's also advisable that it shouldn't be too complicated for you to forget. So right now at the moment, there are a number of websites that actually um, recommend, they recommend passwords to their users. They recommend that the password should be at least eight characters and password should contain a number and a symbol so that it wouldn't just be like a straightforward word or a set of numbers, but a combination of words, letters, numbers and signs, which is complicated. I just watched, I watched it, it was a movie anyways, a hacking movie that someone's system was actually hacked. It was so easy that the hacker actually had to, actually had to laugh out loud about how easy it was to hack into the system because the person actually used his birthday as his password. So it is um, recommended that everyone should actually make their passwords complicated, not too complicated to forget, but complicated enough to make it difficult to break into the accounts. Hmm, that's a very good one. Thank you so much. Another thing I would just also advise is that you don't have the same password for, you know, multiple accounts because that's, you know, let's just imagine a scenario where, you know, you have the same password for, say, your Gmail, your Yahoo Mail, and someone gains access to one of your accounts and that's very easy for them to gain access mm-hmm. to you, another account, you know. So we should be very careful to have multiple passwords for multiple accounts. To our next point here, we'll just be talking about the legal basis for the collection and processing of personal data as a data controller right so just before that i'll just you know let um just kindly explain to us who a data controller is and why a data controller should have a legal basis you know for the collection and processing of personal data you know which is the top privacy mistake okay thank you very much right i'm actually going to sound a bit legalistic or legal right now so the chief piece of legislation that's supervises or or regulates data protection in Nigeria. It's the Nigeria Data Protection Regulation. It defines a data subject as anyone can be identified by this personal data. Personal data includes your name, your email address, your telephone number, or 
any piece of information that can be used to identify you. A data controller is defined also by the regulation to mean any person who either alone or jointly with an authority determines for what use personal data is going to be subject to or of what use personal data is going to be used for generally. So data controllers, as provided in the regulations, there are a number of legal bases that on which data controllers can process personal data. I would start with the weakest, the considerably the weakest one, that's um, the legal basis of consent. So um, this is pretty straightforward. This is an instance where the data subject actually gives consent to the data controller to process his personal data. The NDPR actually provides that the data controller should data controller should inform the data subject of um, the use for which his personal data will be put to. So if we are using the personal data to record, if you are sharing it with um, third parties, uh, whatever you want to use personal data for, it is um, the regulation provides that you should actually communicate this to the data subject and you should get his consent before putting his personal data to such use. Okay, before I even continue, I would advise that the legal basis of consent should be the last resort for any data controller because the legal basis of consent is actually very weak. There can be some arguments around it as regards the level of consent to which data processing was given or which the level of consent that was given by the data subject basically. So I um, would advise that legal basis of consent should be the last resort for any data controller. And if it's going to be a result, it should be used alongside the other legal basis, which are going to be discussed shortly. The next legal basis is contract or performance of the contract. So this is typically where a data controller, um, for the purposes of performing a contract, collects the personal data of the data subject. I'll just use a short scenario where of an employee and company before the employee is actually given um, full employment or signs a contract of employment, his information, like his name, his address, his email address, his phone number, next of kin, and all that would actually be collected by the company. That's what's one to his execution or signing of the contract of employment with the company. So um, that's, that's for performance of the contract. The next legal basis here is for the legitimate interest of the data controller. So if the processing activity to be done on personal data or collection, if the collection of personal data generally is for the purposes of promoting the business of the data controller, this will fall under legitimate interest. So I'll further discuss this. When the legal basis of legitimate interest when actually trying to determine if what constitutes the legal basis of legitimate interest, it is recommended that the data controller should ask himself two questions. First question you'll be asking yourself is if the processing activity is <clears throat> necessary for the functionality of the organization. So you'd basically be asking, do I need to process this personal data for my company to um, carry on its business activities um, going forward? Or do I need to process this personal data to further my business 
And the next question is, does processing activity outweigh any um, risk that may arise from such processing? If your answer to these two questions are no, then the legal basis of legitimate interest will not um, be available to you. But if your answer to these two questions are yes, that is, if the processing activity is necessary for you to continue your business, and if it's if the processing activity outweighs, outweighs any risk that will arise from processing, then the legal basis of legitimate interest would avail you. So the next legal basis for processing here is uh, the legal basis of vital interest. So the legal basis of vital interest um, is shorter. Simply put, means that the processing activity is done in the interest of data subjects. I'll just use a brief scenario. John is on his way to work. He gets into an accident. James, a pedestrian, actually goes to help him. And then in the process of helping him, James takes out John's phone and um, contact details of John's wife and calls her to inform her that John has been in an accident and is going to be taken to the hospital. So um, in that regard, you would say that the personal data in this instance was actually processed on the legal basis of vital interest as it was done for the benefits of John. Okay, that takes me to the next legal basis. The next legal basis is on public interest. So recently, everybody, we all know about the whole spread of the COVID-19 virus. Um, in an attempt to curb the spread of the virus, the Nigerian authorities actually um, placed um, agents at the entry points of the country to actually um, collect personal data from people that were coming into the country at that time. So on um, personal information like your travel history, your name, your place of residence, your telephone number will be collected. People actually raise concerns and concerned citizens actually on um, petition data and they were asking questions regarding the legal basis for which that um, um, those information was collected. So um, NIDA actually had to release a public notice to explain that the collection was done in furtherance of public interest and public health, that the collection of personal data in that regard was to curb the spread of the virus by contact tracing anyone that was coming into the country at that time. So that was done um, pursuant to both vital interest and public interest. So that's basically a brief summary of the legal basis for which personal data can be processed by data controller. Thank you so much for that. Uh, we just spoke about you know, the six legal basis for the collection and processing of personal data. And then one point today, which is very important is as a data controller, you have to ensure that there's a legal basis. If you want to know more about this, then you should join the NDPR Academy. You know, the trainings that we have, quarterly trainings, we have another one coming up in September and you should definitely join in to learn more about this and if you're an organization who wants to ensure that the personal data you know of your clients your customers is protected and you're doing this the proper way that you're collecting it and processing it you know properly according to the ndpr then you should definitely reach out to us you know tax tech is a licensed data protection compliance organization so we'll guide you on how to ensure that you're actually you know processing this data in the legal way okay so we're going to go to our last point of today which is data controller 
Scholars, as earlier said and Uam said, which is an organization or an individual who determines the purpose for and the manner in which personal data is processed, right? Data controllers should ensure that they have the software, right, that prevents against hacking and viruses. This is very, very, very important. So Uam, please just help us out. So on this issue, I'd say it's pretty much straightforward and commonsensical. It's actually applicable to everyone as long as you own a laptop or a system and a mobile device that can actually connect to the internet. It is advisable that you should install security software such as malware or anti-malware software and antivirus software to protect your system and information that you store in your system against viruses and malware attacks. So um, from the aspect of the data controller now, data controllers generally store a large amount of personal data of, depending on your business, you store the personal data of a large amount of data subjects. So because of that, you should actually put or have measures in place to ensure that the personal data of those data subjects is given the highest level of security and the integrity and confidentiality of personal device of guaranteed. Anyways, it suffice to say that the NDPR also provides sanctions for breaches. There was a recent incident of a data controller where there was a leak of personal data of a large amount of data subjects. And the regulatory body later actually, um, upon carrying on investigation, like went through the circumstances of the breach and then actually find the data controller. A breach of your security system may actually attract a sanction of 1% of your annual revenue or 2% of your annual revenue or 10 million whichever is greater. So it would actually attract sanctions if you don't put um, adequate security measures in place to protect your personal data. And um, from the angle of the everyday person, not just data controller distance, you should ensure that on your systems and on your phones, you should install software and anti-malware, anti-malware and antivirus um, software to protect your information and your systems. Thank you very much, Rena. Thank you so much, OM, for joining us on this conversation. I have learned a lot, and I'm sure that a lot of people have learned a lot as well regarding the top privacy mistakes that you should watch out for and how you should avoid them. And you should definitely join our classes because we'll be talking about this in details. We just touched the surface, you know, really, we have much more in store for you. So join us in the next class, you know, and we would help you know how to avoid these top privacy mistakes and how you should watch out for them. You can also reach out to us at info at nepracademy.ng or contact at taxtech.com.ng I'm Irina, till next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Privacy Notes. On our next edition, we'll talk about the guidelines for managing personal data. <laughs>